Welcome to the West podcast, where women entrepreneurs share their tales. SDCO West empowers women and propels economic growth across South Dakota. We do that through free, confidential, one-on-one business advising, in-person and virtual trainings, and results-driven networking opportunities. We provide a platform for small business owners, aspiring entrepreneurs, and forward-thinking entrepreneurs to gain resources to build their businesses and tell their stories. Now join us on a journey west to discover your business dreams. Get ready to be thrilled by an electrifying journey on our podcast. Meet the incredible Marlis With, the driving force behind Marlis's Cleaning Touch, a venture that's been shining bright for a whole decade. But her story is so much more than just business. Hailing from a Hutterite colony in the southwest of Mitchell, South Dakota, Marlis lives every day in her values and traditions, growing up amidst the warmth of a loving family of eight siblings. It's here that she forged the unbreakable work ethic, morals, and values that fuel her every day. Today, Marlis wears multiple hats. She is a doting mother to her charming five-year-old, Hunter, a dedicated stepmom to her husband's three wonderful children, a passionate crossfitter, and a devout child of God. With an unwavering smile and boundless enthusiasm, she approaches each day as a new adventure, boldly declaring, the future is bright, and I can't wait to see what's in store for my family and I moving forward. Join Bailey and Marlis as they dive headfirst into Marlis's remarkable journey and discover how she not only survives, but thrives as an entrepreneur. Welcome to the West Podcast. Today we have Marlis on with us with Marlis's Cleaning Touch. How are you doing today? I am doing great, Bailey. It's good. a good day. Good day, I say. So we have you on today to kind of talk about your story and everything of going on. So do you want to tell us about Marlis's Cleaning Touch and what it is? So um, Marlis's Cleaning Touch is a professional cleaning service in Aberdeen, South Dakota. We're based. Um, we do cover surrounding areas, maybe 20 to 25 mile radius. So we do go out of city limits. Um, and then also um, been in business for 10 years. And we do commercial and residential, but mostly residential. And okay. we are now a crew of four people. And we continue to serve the community and the, our people here. And we just love it. And looking forward to what the years to come have for us to offer and good and you guys you have four people now so I'm guessing you've experienced quite a bit of growth and everything like that um do you kind of want to tell us like the mission of your business and why like why cleaning why cleaning yeah well um growing up in a colony right um cleaning was one of the things that I learned at a really young age like growing up at the age of seven years old, we had our, we had chores we needed to do. And cleaning was one of the biggest traits I grew up learning about. Like I never knew anything different, you know? And so when I left the colony, I, you know, I worked, I did everywhere I worked. I worked at a Vera, I worked at a hotel and all of my jobs I ever had since I left was cleaning. And so I knew that's what I wanted to do. I wanted something that was physical, active, and something obviously I was already really good at, right? Yeah. 
-hmm. So when I was working at Avera, which was very temporary, um, I worked in housekeeping and I got to know some of the nurses on staff there. And one of them was like, Marlis, have you ever like thought about starting your own cleaning business? And I'm like, no, because I knew nothing about business, right? Coming off from the colony, like you, oh man, it's a, that's such a big, big step to take. And like, I just wanted a job, right? Right away. I didn't even have a driver's license when I left. So I had to walk to work. I never had a car for the first five months. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that experience of, so you grew up in a colony, you said, and you yeah. left. Do you, what do you want to share about that experience of coming to Aberdeen, right? Yes. So I left when I was 20 years old. I am now 32. So I've been off the colony for 12 years. Mm -hmm. um, when I made the decision to leave, it was not easy because I knew I was leaving my family behind, which was mm -hmm. the hardest part. And it was scary, but like I had no idea what I was walking into because I grew up in a community of max 200 people, right? And it was never like we would always we were all about like community, helping each other, working together as one. And on the colony, the, the females, they didn't have a driver's license. So we were never allowed to drive. We were never allowed to do any of those things, right? So leaving, I knew that I would have to get a job. I would have to get a driver's license. I would have to get a car. I would, I mean, I would have to vent for myself, you know? So that was scary. But in the moment, you're like, oh, no, I, I can do this, right? And then once you leave, then realization kicks in. So when I left, I, I moved to Aberdeen because I had a sibling here. So I moved in with her. And then I, you know, I, I found a job. Um, my first job ever was I was working at American Inn. It's a hotel here in town. And I worked there for four months. I had to hit rides because I was trying, I was working on getting a job first so I have money for for a vehicle and so is all these um the the loops and hoops you have to jump through to get to get a vehicle right and then you have to get insurance and I didn't think of any of that right I didn't have a credit score and so once I finally finally actually got my driver's license and I got my first car it was like the best day of my life my first paycheck I ever got was three uh was $500. I thought I was rich. Right. So did you have economy. like a lot of awareness of what you said? Like there's a lot of culture shock kind of with that. Yes. Um, how did you learn what you needed and how it would take? And I guess like, what was your experience just learning how to operate, you know, just like living outside of that community? That's a really good question. I would say observation being around people um, that have been on the outside for quite some time. And I would say asking a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. I mean, and how do you apply that now in your business? Have you taken a lot of like that experience and it, has that helped you in growing your business? Extraordinary. Yes. Mm -hmm. And honestly, also, um, 
being around other entrepreneurs and learning from them and hearing about their success story and how they've done things differently from the past to now. And I, I love learning and I love asking questions and I'm all about growth. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a really good I'm really good at listening and I always want to learn more, I would say. And so I think that's where I've, I think time and, and grow. That's where most of my growths come from is going through also not just hearing from other people, like what would you do different? But I think experiencing really tough challenges and just having to go through them. And I think that's where I've learned the most is like the hurdles that I've had to go through. And yeah. It was good training, right? Those experiences because it's learning to be comfortable with challenges and growth and persevering. And as business owners know, there's that all of the time, you never know what's going to happen. We don't know what, we don't know what's ahead of us. And and most people want to stay comfortable, right? Just get a job and it pays the bills and you know what, like it works for some people. And then I just always knew that once I did it, I was like, I don't want to be that person that works from eight to five. It was, I was not content with that. I wanted to do something on my own. Once I mm-hmm. saw myself, once I started my business, oh, it took me a long time to get my name out there because I moved here. Nobody knew me. I never knew anything about marketing. So I didn't mm-hmm. have a business page until two years ago. And it's crazy. I I didn't know anything about that. So I, I did everything old school. Right. And for Mm -hmm. the longest time, I really didn't have any, um, what's the word I'm looking for. It, it just took a really long time for it to take off because I didn't have the guidance from somebody who would, Hey, could I, you know, like help me market my business so I could get out there more so I could expand, but I also think the reason it also took so long because maybe I was just not even, I wasn't ready right. to grow and add employees. And actually one thing I wanted to add, I did work for someone who had her own cleaning business here in Aberdeen, maybe a year after I left. And so I worked for her for almost a year and I, I, I learned a lot from her. Right. See how she did things, how I could do things differently. Mm-hmm. So I, there was a really big learning experience as well. That's awesome. It's like all of this was just kind of like training you to like open your perfect kind of cleaning business and be a business owner. So let's rewind a little bit. So you're, you were talking about the moment where someone's like, Hey, Marlis, you should open a cleaning business. Tell us about like how you felt in that moment and what was your next step from there? Well, my first um, moment was me really oh that's never gonna happen you know Mm -hmm. I just it was definitely I honestly looking back now and seeing where I am today I in a million years I would have never guessed that's where I would be today which is the best part about you know life if we knew what happened 10 years down the road you know it just I never thought I would be here today and so I was like no Like I knew I had the work ethic, but I didn't know how to go about it. And then obviously the next step was, um, okay, now I need a, I need a license, right? A sales tax license. Mm -hmm. That was the first thing I did. Okay. So how long from when that conversation where you're like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to get my sales tax license. 
it was like five months okay so you needed that time to like kind of marinate and think about it and consider what this would look like for you and I guess during those five months what was those big things that you considered that might finally made you want to take the leap well I um I knew where I was at, I wasn't going to be happy long term Mm -hmm. doing what I was doing. And prior to that, I had a different cleaning. um, I was I I had a different job and I was in cleaning. And I just I think the hardest part for me was um, I love being around people. I'm a people person. But also, I didn't like the favoritism. Like if you were a really hard worker, you'd have to pick up the slack for somebody who wasn't and you still would get paid the same you get treated the mm-hmm. same. And so that was really hard for me, like not being valued enough for your, all your work ethics. And mm-hmm. so I knew like five years down the road, like, and I honestly, when I left, I, I did not have a high school education. And the first thing I thought about, Hey, maybe I want to go back to school. But then I realized, well, you need money to go back to school. And so the first thing I was like, I need a vehicle. And I was like, well, I need a job. And then once I started, when I, I never thought that I would build a cleaning company when I started clean. I, I thought I would just clean houses on the side, maybe just part-time and maybe see what I want to do. And then once I realized, um, wow, I could turn this into a life-changing career. And I, ever since then, I knew what I wanted to do. Once I had that realization which was probably maybe two years after I started it. Okay. So you were, so is that when you went full time with it? Yes. About two years in. Okay. By myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you started your company in what year again? Remind me. 13. 13. And then, so 2015 is like, yes, I'm going to do this full time. Um, At that point, did did you kind of have like an understanding of the business side of things? Because we talk a lot about how, and you very much demonstrated this, you're an expert in cleaning. You could clean and do all the work till you turn blue, I'm sure. But how did you learn the business side of stuff? What was that experience like? Did you have any people that helped you? Did you go anywhere? Um, I guess, how did you navigate that? So I, I got an accountant and she helped me out a lot with a lot of questions I had. So she helped me tremendously. She kind of led me in the right directions. So mm-hmm. that was great. And now I have a CRM for my business. It's through jobbers. And I do right. all my scheduling. I do all my billing. I do all of that. It's the best thing ever. And my fiance has helped me a lot. Like he helped me set up my business page. He's helped me so much. I don't even know how I could ever pay him back. Right. We met two years ago and he was like, Marla's like, you need a business page. So we stayed up till 1 a.m. in the morning to get my business page up. And ever since my business has just boomed and I talked to him about at the time when we met, I had two employees or one employee. Mm -hmm. And he asked me if I thought about expanding. And I said, yes, but I'm scared because it's stressful. Finding good employees is hard. Keeping good employees, it 
like it's hard. So I'm not sure if I want to deal with all the stress that comes with it, you know? And he's like, Marlis, if there's one person that can do this, you can do it. And I think his support right. like, was everything. And ever since I've added two more employees, my business has, my revenue has grown tremendously. Like I can't thank Joe enough for everything that he's helped me. I think a support system is pretty much like everything anybody ever needs. Right. It's he crucial. pushed me. Yeah. He just, all I needed was a nudge and he mm-hmm. it helped me and it took off. Yeah. And it really helps you see like what you do well and what you excel at. And it's stuff that you probably think that everyone does, or maybe it doesn't have that much value, but really when other people give you that insight, you're like, wow, I really am that powerful. I really do accomplish that much. And I am really able to do a lot more than I ever imagined. And so that's fantastic that you found that that support system. Do you see yourself playing that role with your employees as well? Yes, I do. I have. So how do you, yeah. Talk about like that relationship and how you, you know, cause we've talked about how you've created such a great work culture for them, supporting them. Do you want to talk about how you've brought on more employees and have created a good like culture for them? I would say um, for the longest time, actually for, I will say nine to almost 10 years, all I ever did was hire people that I kind of knew like, oh, like girls that we call them ex-hutterites. So if you leave the colony, you're considered ex-hutterite. So I would always just, cause I knew they had the work ethic, right? Mm-hmm. So I would always like a lot of them that would leave would come to Aberdeen. So I knew, oh, they're looking for a job and they would come to me, Marlis, are you hiring? And so I would, I always just hired ex-hutterite girls, right? I never ventured out. And I was always just, um, I would say scared because trust. Right. Aberdeen is such a small community. And from what I experienced through those first eight, nine years, I it was hard for like to trust anyone, just hire anyone, right? I at the time I didn't know, hey, I could maybe um now I hire my employees through Indeed. Have you ever heard of Indeed? Okay. Yes. I do background checks, I do all of that, and I didn't know about any of that. And mm-hmm. so I always just hire people who I kind of knew of. So, you know, so reputation and all of that. So then I was, I was kind of playing safe, I should say. Right. And so I, it took me a long time to realize that, Hey, why not venture out? If this hasn't been working, then why don't you venture out and try something new? So that's mm-hmm. when I found out about Indeed. And I, ever since I've done that, I've found two really, really solid employees who have been with me for a while and one of them is my lead. So when I'm gone for the day, she takes over. And I just uh, stepping out and doing something that's uncomfortable is the only way you'll ever get success. Because if you don't mm-hmm. step out of your comfort zone, you'll never change only happens if you make it happen. If nothing mm-hmm. changes, nothing changes is what my pastor would always say at church. And it it's it sounds it's so true. Right. If nothing changes, nothing changes. And one thing I also want to mention that what I look for in employees, I want, I want my employees to stick around. I don't just hire anyone who's just looking for extra mm-hmm. money. 
I, cause I want him to grow with me. I want him to feel not just another employee that walks through my door, but somebody who is, I value. And I, that's what I look for in employees. And I want them to feel the same way towards me. And I think mm-hmm. it's working really well. I finally found two really solid ones that I was like, I could offer you stability. And both of them have, you know, they have children. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a very caring person. And in the past, it's kind of hurt me. I, mm-hmm. I learned from that, like, hey, I'm not here. I'm not here to to please you and meet your needs. Like, that's not how it works. So I think I had to experience a lot of things to come to understand that part yeah. as well. Building that boundary between like the caring Um, and then also like the boss and executing the business vision, I'm sure is something that you've navigated. Um, But so you talked about your two long-term employees. So how do you provide value to them? How do you build customer loyalty with them um, to make them want, or sorry, employee loyalty with them to make them want to be with Marlis's Cleaning Touch? I think um, a lot of it is showing them the appreciation by doing like a lot of little things for them. Hey, taking them out to lunch or or buying them coffees or just giving them a day off. And whenever they need to leave something important with their children, I will absolutely family first. Like Mm -hmm. I've always been very, I think, and I think that a lot of it is respect has to be earned. Right. And so me, also working on the floor with them every single day next to them, working just as hard as they are and even harder shows them, okay, she, I think that's where a lot of respect comes from. If the boss is there and they're willing to work just as hard as they are, if not even harder. And it's the small things that I always say matter, like go along, like, like, like I said, like buying them coffee, buying them lunch, they're very grateful for all those little things. Right. So you very much lead from kind of the trenches. Yes. With them. You're in the trenches with them. So yes. you spend all day cleaning and, you know, actually executing the work of the business. How do you balance that with all the other stuff that comes with running your own business? How have you kind of like set up your, your workflow? So what I do when I get off, when I get off work every day, I'm not done working. I sit behind my computer and I every day I catch up. I would say an hour every day after we get off work. I um I make it a point when we get off work, I just keep working for an hour just to make sure that everything's afloat, everything's organized, and and then every other Thursdays I'll work from home, so I can meet with clients, I can do scheduling. And mm-hmm. just to make sure that everything, I don't like to fall behind. Right. And Have you always had this like system set up or was it a system that you developed over time as you've gotten more experience? Correct. I've never, I didn't always do it like that, but I have come to find out this is the best way to stay. I like to stay ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. And also like the busier you, the busier I have become, I had to make that time. Right. I was always very organized. I just did it very old fashioned, pen and a paper, like a calendar book. I mean, because I didn't have as many clients, I didn't have as many employees. And now it's really great because the girls can look at the schedule a month ahead of time and see this is where we're going to be. 
the, I mean, it's just great. They can look ahead and they mm -hmm. can see all of it. It's, so it's so very you, good. So how do you balance like the demand versus your resources? Cause I'm sure that's a fine balance too. I'm sure um, making sure you have enough work for your employees, but at the same time, making sure you don't have too much work. How do you kind of balance that and have figured out that system? That's a good question. Because ever since my I launched my business page, I get a lot of phone calls and I get a lot of, and the one thing we talked about boundaries earlier, and I, it's, it was always hard for me to say no. But then I realized that I have to take care of the clients I have now, because mm -hmm. they're my number one concern until try not to take on too much at once, like baby steps. And so I try not to put too much on our plate at once. I've been, I'm really, I've, I've learned to balance things really well. And mm -hmm. so, and then I have a waiting list. If people want to wait, if not, I recommend somebody else. And honestly, I've been very thankful that I, Monday to Friday, I have work scheduled. So I have work scheduled. And that one is the one thing that scared me a lot about hiring employees, making sure I'm able to keep them busy five days a week so they can, you know, have a consistent paycheck, right? Mm -hmm. And so I've I've been very, I think what happened is I took each employee on at the right time because I just trusted that mm -hmm. everything will be fine and everything has worked out really well. Yeah, a lot of it's that jumping in and trusting and you can yeah. do all the research and planning, but sometimes it's just that leap of faith because you have to, yeah. you know, do that so you can grow because it's like the chicken or the egg, right? What comes first? Sometimes you have to trust and then see the fruits that come. Yes, from. and every time it's worked out. I mean, yeah. I've been very fortunate. God's been really good to me. I thank him every day for all my blessings. It, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here today. And so I think that's one of the biggest things in my life is being grateful and thankful each and every day. This summit is tailor-made for women like you who are ready to take the next step, whether you're a seasoned professional, an emerging entrepreneur, or someone with a dream waiting to be realized. At the Women's Business Summit, you will gain insights from industry experts and thought leaders in emotional intelligence, psychological safety, culture, and more. You'll expand your network and connect with career women, acquire practical skills to boost your career or business, ignite your passion, and drive to achieve your goals. The Women's Business Summit is Thursday, October 19th at the new Box Event Center by Watiki in Rapid City. So let's talk a little bit about your personal life, Marla. So you grew up on a Hutterite colony north of Aberdeen, correct? Southwest of Aberdeen. South, okay, yep. west of Aberdeen. I should have my South Dakota geography better. Let's talk about what it was like growing up and kind of like what your your day-to-day -day life is and what was expected of you if you were to stay, if you were to stay there. Okay, so I, um, growing up in a community of, about 180 to 200 people. Um, I'd say like farm life, like we, the bell would go off at 6 a.m. We would all go to a dining hall, we'd have breakfast together and 
pretty much the rest of your day was whatever you were called to do. If it was gardening, if it was canning, butchering, we had chickens, we had, we did all of it. Like uh, from the age of 15 years old, you're considered an adult on the colony. Mm -hmm. So your expectations, they're very high, but, but honestly, like my morals and values that I got from growing up on the colony, I can never get those anywhere else. So I'm, I'm super grateful for all of that. And I, um, I want to talk about my family. So, um, Mm -hmm. I come from a really big family, nine children, um, Mm -hmm. seven girls and two boys. Right. I was the second oldest, so I was a mother hen. You know, your responsibilities are when you're one of the oldest ones, like we did all our sewing. So mm-hmm. we would sew all our dresses or bonnets or jackets. And so we would have to do all of that. So I I kind of I I loved I, I did love to sew. When I was at the age of 15, 17 years old, I would sew all my own dresses. Mm-hmm. And after I left the colony, it's kind of sad. I've never touched it's a sewing yet. machine because we don't, I'm all my clothes I buy and I don't, mm-hmm. whenever I need something stitched, I just give it to my mom. And so okay. when you were doing all of that with your family, um, did you ever feel a little like resentment having to take care of people? And maybe that's something you like learned later on, but I guess, how did you feel being given a role of kind of like a mother hen of your your children, your siblings? So um, honestly, no, there was no resentment because that's all I ever knew. That's how I grew mm-hmm. up. And like, honestly, like that was my, one of my passions is to take care of my siblings, like whatever they needed. Like it was never, it was, if I can help my mom, mm-hmm. I was thankful to take some, stress off her plate and help with the workload because having my children, I still don't know how she did it. Bless her heart. And my mom is one of the strongest women I've ever met. And my dad, like I, I look up to both of them. Like they've taught me a lot. I am the woman I am today because of them. And Mm -hmm. I, hopefully they can hear this podcast sometime. Um, my mom, we grew up a very close family. We did everything together. Like mm-hmm. on the colony, everybody's just very close knit. We do everything together. We we have like, um, uh, we don't go into town for school. So we have uh, kindergarten through eighth grade is what's recommended on the colony. We weren't allowed to go to high school. I would say there was some resentment because of that, because I I wanted more education, right? And so mm-hmm. that one was really hard. One of the biggest reasons also of when I turned, when I got to the age of 18, I started realizing more and more that, hey, I'm missing out on all the other things in life and freedom. Like I started feeling um, my freedom was taken from me. You know, I, I don't get to experience what a lot of people like other people experience but growing up on the colony like you didn't know any other way so that was your life and so you loved it and and then once I you know I had friends that left the colony and I saw the lifestyle they got to live I'm like hey I want to go on vacation I want to have my own car so there's no um speaking ill of the the colony it's just I wanted I wanted a different lifestyle 
you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what I was going to ask you is how did you become aware of like different lifestyles? And you mentioned your friends, did you guys go into town at all growing up or once you hit 15, where you, did you have to go into town to go outings? I guess, what was your interaction um, beyond the colony as you grew up? So if we, um, we would go to, do- we would go into town for all our doctor visits. Um, we had, we had a big, um, we had a, we had teachers come in on the colony to teach. Mm-hmm. So we, we went, we had German school every morning for an hour from 7 a.m. Okay. To 8 a.m. And then from there we went to we had English school all from kindergarten all the way to eighth grade, like I told you. And then we'd graduate. And so we did. We went through all the schooling program, but German was definitely our main language. Okay. So uh, if you guys notice the accent, it's I'm I'm 100 percent fluent in German. And so the only times we would ever go into town, mostly if it was something like an emergency, something important. Mm-hmm if it had to do with work-related or like a doctor's visit. Um, from here on, from time to time, we would go to different colonies to visit or mm-hmm. relatives like grandma and grandpa and aunts, but very randomly. Like mm-hmm. we weren't given the, um, it wasn't like we could just sit in and we could just go wherever we wanted. And, right. and when you don't know any other way, you're, we were always happy with less. Right. Tell you, I had a lot of friends that left the colony and they would tell me about all these fun things they got to do. They got to go to football games and baseball games. And I love sports. So mm-hmm. I would become like, I would say envious and like, kind of jealous like I would love to experience that oh that kind of would be cool so now all of a sudden you're like wow there's a whole another world out there that I have never known about and when you get to that independent age you Mm -hmm. know your mind always starts to wander absolutely and I guess how did you communicate with them did they come back to the colony to visit did you like guess what was that communication like with people outside of the colony so my dad had a cell phone Okay. So I could stay in touch with some of my friends and my siblings who had left the colony. My oldest sister was off the colony. So I could communicate by cell phone because we actually, um, I didn't have a cell phone. We were not allowed to have cell phones. Right. So So the communication was, it was harder to communicate. And I'm guessing the reason they did not want us to have cell phones is because of that. Because then kids start you know, being interested in things that the colony doesn't want you to have interest in. And then, you know, they didn't want us to leave the colony, which is very understandable. Like, I completely understand that. So do they set up, like, expectations growing up? Like, this is how life will be after you, you know, turn 15. And do they ever talk about what it looks like staying at the colony versus leaving? Or do they not even really give that option or that plant that idea in people's heads oh no they don't even give that as an option like they never you have like stay like you can't leave like if if they would have caught me leaving Mm -hmm. they would have stopped me but I left in the middle of the night so nobody could see me because if they saw me they would have stopped me from trying to leave did your family know that you were going to leave did you have a conversation with them at all or did you just go so when I left, I, I I wrote my dad and my mom a letter 
because they were both gone. They weren't home that mm -hmm. night. My mom was uh, taking care of my grandpa and grandma up in Forbes, North Dakota, and my dad was on a business trip. Okay. And I left them a letter, and it was one of the hardest things I ever have had to do. Mm -hmm. And I remember that night like it was yesterday. I left when it was it was probably 1 a.m. in the morning, leaving with a bag of clothes, a $20 bill to my name. That's all I had. And I knew I was leaving my family because it's different out here. Like you want your kids to graduate and go off to college. You just let them, you want to let them fly, you know? Well, where I grew up, like, it's just a different way of growing up and the lifestyle. Like we were never meant to, we, we would never grow up like, okay, once you get to be 18, you get to leave the mm -hmm. colony start. Obviously they can't stop you, but they would try you know? Right. So, so I knew what I was doing was wrong. Like in my mind, I, at the time I'm doing something wrong. Like I, I mm -hmm. knew that and it, it really bothered me, but now I realized that, Hey, you know, everybody has a different story. Everybody has different, like, I feel like I would have never tried it. I would have always wondered what if, and why didn't I? And I'm really glad I did. Because now, looking back, I realize like I can never go back because I'm not the person I am. But I will always say that my morals, my values come from where we grew up. Like we had church every day. Jesus, God was a big part of our life on a daily mm -hmm. basis. Like, yeah, you can't you can't find it. And so I'm very thankful for that. And my work. Yes, absolutely. So were you the first one of your siblings to leave or were there other people in your family before you? Actually, I was the second one. Okay. Like my oldest and how sister did, first and okay. then I. How did your family respond to that when that happened? When I left or my oldest sister? Your older sister. Mm -hmm. And well, like what kind of uh, like seed did that plant in your head? Well, I think that's why it was so hard for me to leave because I saw what they had to go through emotionally when my oldest sister left because my mom, especially, like you were never supposed to leave. You were never meant to leave. You were supposed to stay here for the rest of your life. And so I think a lot of people have a hard time understanding that, but mm -hmm. it's easy for me to understand because I knew how my mom felt in that moment right. because like I said, we were never raised to, you're 18 now, you get to go and do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And so that was, I think that was really hard for me. And it took me a, a long time to actually make the actual step to, to leave because I saw what my mom and dad went through and mm -hmm. it was heartbreaking. And then I was the oldest and then I was like in charge of all my siblings. And so a lot was put on my plate a lot of responsibilities. Mm -hmm. So I knew if I left, my my uh, my other my sister that's one year younger than I am, she's a sweetheart. She she has Down syndrome, mm -hmm. and I knew she wouldn't be able to help my mom with like the sewing and all of that stuff. So I still care. Like I didn't. Mm -hmm. It was hard for the first year after I left. They actually tried to come and ask me. They begged me. They came to get me. Once they found out where it was, my mom begged me to come back home. And I just, 
it was hard. I, I stood there in her arms crying with her. And I said, mom, maybe I'll come back in a month. It was, I, I just, I knew if I went back, I would leave again. Because mm -hmm. I wouldn't be happy. Right. And, but I wanted to make my mom happy and I wanted to go back for her. But then I realized that if I do, I'm going to be not, I'm not going to be happy. I'm going to leave again. And then I'm going to have to put my parents through it again. Yes. So what was that first month like? Because I'm sure you're dealing with like the guilt of leaving, as you mentioned, but also I'm sure there was a lot of culture shock and self insecurities about just like the difference of way people are perceived and then starting to come to the realization of how much is out there that you have to figure out. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, It was one of the biggest things was the dress code. Like mm -hmm. we would always wear dresses in the colony and they were not, they were like loose fitted dresses. And I always thought I, that's the one thing that never bothered me. I loved wearing a dress. I didn't, um, on the colony, they, they taught you like not to expose yourself, like always to keep your skin hidden. And we weren't allowed to have tattoos. We weren't allowed to have piercings and you would always cover your skin. And so that was a big one for me to like wear cutoffs, like shorts and a tank top. I'm not even kidding you. It took me three years to wear cutoffs and not feel like I'm doing something wrong because the way we grew up, like we, we were not allowed, like we were not allowed to wear anything that wasn't touching our toes pretty much like the dress code. Mm -hmm. And so I, the, the, I would say that was a big culture shock for me wearing jeans and all of that. And um, also just the different like day-to-day -day life was just completely different. I, um, right. And then also the thing that I noticed I was seeking for was um, a church. And I always, I always thought I was, if I picked the church, I didn't know what church I would pick to go to. Am I doing something wrong since it's not the church that I grew up in? Mm -hmm. There was just a lot of questions and just always a lot of, um, I always felt like I'm doing something wrong. Right. And let's talk. I am sure because you like you said you're you women you guys graduated at eight and then you are eighth grade and then you're very much like when you're an adult you're an adult and you're a character yeah. yeah and you probably I guess how did you you said you didn't get to make a lot of decisions for yourself it was very much like this is the almost like the assigned task for the day and yeah you just yeah. providing yeah. and all of that so how did you I'm sure there was that moment of like, oh my gosh, I have all this freedom now. What do I do with it? Yeah. It and was the it was it was the greatest thing ever knowing that you can plan your day. Okay, I know mm -hmm. I'm gonna be at work from this time to that time. And for the rest of that day, I can I can do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. You know. So, but then you also realize that you can't always just do what you want as well, mm -hmm. you know. I think there's there's also um, a lot of different rules and regulations here versus mm -hmm. on the con where you didn't have to worry about any of that and and you didn't think about that when you left. So technically, I'm like you still can you have more freedom, but you can't just do what you want when you want because you also have responsibilities. So going out to this like big public 
you know, events and gatherings and interacting with people that grew up in, let's say, Aberdeen their whole lives. Did you feel like you were missing like a part of like the language almost in the sense of how people communicate with each other, how they interact? Um, let's talk about that, like understanding the difference of awareness, I guess, and how we do things here yes. in like cities. Yeah, I was uh, definitely it was it was a big a big big change. I I would feel uncomfortable for the longest time. Like being around I was always just around Hutterites, right? And so coming out and being around I'm like this it was just I don't know how to explain it. I just for the longest time felt very uncomfortable. Like they would judge me because I'm not one of them. And then I felt like I couldn't relate to them because I was so different. And now all my best friends are not from my colony. So it's crazy. Right. I think just going, I think time was the biggest thing for me. Right. Do you feel like you ever got taken advantage of because of lack of awareness? Yeah, I would say. But honestly, I don't think that's what they meant to do. Right. That's just who they are. Mm -hmm. But definitely. Because, yeah, because you, so after you left and you moved in with your sister and you started to make friendships and then you eventually had a son after you, you moved into town. Do you want to talk about, I guess, what was that experience like? Like kind of jumping in maybe to like your first relationship off of the colony and. Um, that's, um, so I, um, my, my son's name is Hunter. And yes. he's going to turn five years old Aww. and he's my biggest blessing. Um, I'm so proud of him. It's crazy how time flies. I remember when he was just a little peanut. I held yeah. him for the first time and I was scared. First time being a mom and I wasn't married. I, I got out of a really bad relationship, a 10 month relationship. And I found out a month later I was pregnant this was five years six years ago and here I find out I'm pregnant I'm in a bad mm -hmm. place in my life because I'm trying to overcome a really toxic relationship and I knew that my life was about to change mm -hmm. when I found out I was pregnant I, I was one was I excited of course but um it was just I knew that I was gonna have to face really really tough challenges um co-parenting with a narcissist I hate mm -hmm. saying that word, but that's what it is um I like being vulnerable so people can relate to me um my life changed when I gave my mom the phone call I told her I was pregnant and my mom did not want to accept it because I wasn't married and on the colony mm -hmm. um, we we weren't allowed to have sex even before marriage so I knew my mom would be very disappointed in me and very so that was that was a really hard time in my life. Like I had nobody to enjoy this with. Here I am. I'm a single woman. I'm pregnant. I'm I can't even share with my family because I knew there was gonna be and I, I wasn't mad at them because I understood mm -hmm. the way we grew up that that wasn't even allowed, never mind being talked about. And so I went through all of that, but um Mm -hmm. honestly my family now um I actually want to share this my my entire family left the colony 
Oh, okay. My parents wow. left six months ago. Wow. And, you know, and you know what they said to me? I wish we would have done it 10 years ago. Mm. I've never seen them so happy because I think it's because they get to be with all of us. Because after we leave the colony, you're not allowed to come back in. Right. Occasionally, randomly, like we're not allowed to go home during holidays. So I would spend all my holidays without my family. I think those mm. were the toughest times in my life. And so after the years went by, every single one of my nine siblings, eight siblings left. My mm. sister, Lorena, who has Down syndrome, stayed home. She said, right. Mama, I'll never leave you. Yeah. And, and as of a year ago, my last sibling left. And that's when they made the decision that we're not happy here. We don't have children. And that's the most important thing in your life. And they left. And they ex once they after time went by when they found out I was pregnant, um, mm -hmm. of course they accepted it. Once Hunter was born, oh my goodness, he's the only grandchild, and oh. he's so <laughs> like it's just sure. I think it was just right away like a shock for my mom. Like right. this can't be happening. You can't be, you can't be pregnant, and and then also a big thing is the um, dating someone who is not from the colony was something right. that people would frown upon. And like I said, I wanted to try something different because I, I had a seven-year relationship with with somebody who was from the colony and okay. And things didn't work out and he went back home. He went he's he's back on the colony. He recently just got married. And so that was the longest relationship I ever had. And it was with it was he was from the colony. So that was hard. So after that I I told myself that I want to, maybe I should try dating somebody that's off the colony. Mm -hmm. and Someone that didn't grow up there. Yeah. And so I, long story short, that's um, who I ended up having Hunter's, uh, Hunter, Hunter's dad. He's not from the colony. And so that put a bad taste in my mouth. I was like, maybe I should have listened to my parents. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe. So all of the things were going off in my head, like the questions. Maybe I did make a mistake. Right. That's one thing I, yeah, I wanted to touch on is like your own, you said your parents kind of like disapproval of the situation. There had to have been some of your internal own, like how did I put myself in the situation based on how you grew up too? Yes. Yes, definitely. And then all these and I'm like, why did I ever leave? Because if I wouldn't have left, this would have never happened to me. Maybe I should have listened to my elders. Maybe I should have listened to mom and dad. Mm -hmm. So during that time, going through all of that by myself, like I, I question myself. But now I look back and I'm like, no, God was doing, God gave me Hunter to open my eyes up. Like I, Hunter was a blessing from God. Right. And he's been such a blessing in my family, you know. Yeah. I'm actually getting married next month. And, and they love my fiance. And he's not from the colony. And so I think they've I think also they've experienced and they've learned that hey, it's it's okay to be yes. different. You're not gonna it be is. judged by God. Mm -hmm. well, so. I'm glad that you found a lot of like that personal um insight through this whole entire process and I wanted to touch on so did you have Hunter before or after you started your cleaning business I had Hunter after I started okay 
So let's talk a little bit though. Okay. You must've been going through a lot. So you started your own business and from what you talked about, you weren't really probably allowed to own a lot on the colony or, you know, on, like you said, money, you probably didn't have a very strong understanding when you started a business where you like, women can do this. Like I can do this. This is something that is allowable or, and did you feel any like guilt towards not guilt or like, I can't do this because it's not allowed when you decided like, I'm here to start a business. Yes. Yep. Right away. It was definitely, um, I, this, that's, I didn't have the confidence I have to do because of that. And as time went on, I'm like, well, absolutely. I can't, why can't I? Because I saw a lot of, um, women entrepreneurs around me in the community who had mm-hmm. small businesses. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like we're no different than you. You're no different than we are. We all created by God and we're all the mm-hmm. same. And so I just, I think I've learned so much since I left. Like, it's just, it's incredible. I love sharing my story with people and, I used to think my story wasn't a big deal mm-hmm. until my fiance is like, Marla's, your story is amazing. Share it with the world. Like, cause you know, from the outside looking in, it's kind of interesting. I would say. It is, it is interesting. <laughs> and I have one more question I want to ask you in terms of, uh, you know, the relationship of how you grew up to starting a business. Um, so we talked about, I guess like the, the intricacies of just like transitioning and all of that but what else do you think growing up the way you did helped you with your business you talked about your morals and your work ethic but what other things do you think really helped propel you in being successful and being an entrepreneur well the biggest one like we talked about is like showing up right you're always there was no excuse. You always had to show up for work. Like we never would call in sick. Like, so that was one of the things that I knew that if I wanted to be successful, I couldn't, I couldn't be a slacker. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the biggest things on the colony. Like they, they teach you to go hard. They teach you to work hard, to not give up. You work your butt off every single day. And and that's a big one because I look around now and I, and some of the generation, I'm like, they don't want to do physical labor anymore. And it's, it's kind of sad, you know, every place is they're hiring, 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 and it's all. So I am really thankful for that. Like every single one of us, every single, every single kid I've seen leave the colony, even if they're 16 years old, you'll see them working their butt off. Because that's what we're taught to do. Like, we don't know any other way. We show up every single day. Mm-hmm. And so. Let's continue with that, like, mental piece just for a second. Because I think that's a big thing to point out is you didn't necessarily have access to, like, social media and technology and have constantly distracted, maybe is the best way to put it. But talk about like do you feel like you had more focus when you work I guess and being able to like be present and connect in the moment and do you kind of want to talk about that and maybe how that has helped you in in your business yeah I would definitely say it has 100 percent because it was something that was my own and I could do whatever I wanted and not be 
it was just mine and I could do whatever I wanted. And if I made a mistake and it was on me, it was on nobody else. And I couldn't have somebody say, well, okay, now I'm, we're going to fix it. I had to fix it. It was my problem. So I found a lot of um, learning growth in that because it was my own. Like I didn't have anybody to fall back on and be like, Hey, it's your problem now. Cause Technically, I did. After I left and I was on my own, I that was a big one for me is being on my own. It was scary, but it was also mm-hmm. good for me because I've never had that growing up. Right. So just once again, putting yourself and training yourself to be uncomfortable and go yeah. beyond like limits that you thought were previously conceived. And I think that's a good lesson you can leave with anyone. I um I did a mental challenge here a few years ago. It's called 75 hard. And okay. it was really hard. Have you ever heard of it? I don't think so. Never? You should look it up sometime. It's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. And I was in that time in my life. I, I needed some mental toughness. And I, I did it for myself. And it was a game changer. And I also learned a lot from the book. And the person that wrote the, who, who wrote the book and who, who did the challenge, he's an entrepreneur. Like you should look him up. It's pretty inspiring. And so mental toughness is everything. Like if you want to become mentally strong, do something that makes you feel uncomfortable. Just do it. Like jump in it. Don't care. Because if you're always the person that stands on the ledge and never take that leap, you'll never get to the other side. Right. You know, it's hard. I think the best thing is having support that pushes you. I, when I started involving myself in the community a lot, um, the church CrossFit has been a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. My, my best friends I've found in the community, putting yourself out to the community, helping others, being there for others. Like if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't, be where I am today. Picture this, a cozy, caffeine-fueled gathering where entrepreneurs, innovators, and business enthusiasts come together to share ideas, forge new partnerships, and sip on vital caffeine source. Join us at the Coffee Connection at Sturgis Coffee Company on November 14th from 8.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. Black coffee is on us. The event is free. Please register at the link in the show notes so we can prepare your coffee. It's not just your ordinary cup of joe. It's the ultimate brew of business opportunities and community connections. And mark your calendars for November 7th. We are winning in Spearfish at the Joy Center with Women in Networking Luncheon. Save the date and stay tuned. You talked about not doing a lot of marketing in the beginning I guess how did you get your first clients and then is it was it word of mouth I guess tell us how you like started to bring on people so my first client I ever got was through my job at at the time I was working at Avera so my Mm -hmm. first few clients were through my workplace and it was word of mouth and I actually, a lot of my clients in the beginning was honestly still to this day is word of mouth. I mean, that's the best. I mean, that's the best kind of business you can get is word of mouth because people always want to know, okay, who am I bringing, who am I hiring to come into my safe place? And so they're always going to 
go back on employees or friends like they're so what is your input on Mars? is like like and so word of mouth is everything your reputation is everything and I always was scared if I have an employee that turns out to be a bad employee and she could tear down everything that I worked for for so long because Aberdeen is such a small town mm -hmm. and if you have one bad employee it can so that was really tough for me to think about expanding hiring more employees mm -hmm. because of this town is such a small community and everybody knows everyone. So right. reputation is big. And so that's and where I, think, I word of mouth was my first clients I ever had. And I think you touched on such an important thing. Like people's homes are their safe space. Yeah, They're a place they go to escape from, you know, the pressures of the world. How do you want your clients to feel when they walk into their home after you clean it? Oh my goodness, Marlis and her crew are here. And I see, I always say they, um, when I first do the walkthrough with all my clients, I want them to feel comfortable with me. And that's the biggest thing. Like my introduction and how I, how I represent myself when I meet them is big because it's their first time meeting me. And I always say that, hey, not every person is the right fit for your business or for you. But also mm -hmm. vice versa, I may not be the best fit for, doesn't make them bad people or somebody that you want to work with. But I always think that personality is huge as a business owner. Like if mm -hmm. people love your personality, it's, it's, a, it's such a key. I think it's really big. I'm sure you agree with that. Yeah, I do agree with that. And I was actually, this brings up another good question I wanted to ask was, have you ever, I guess, how have you, you've met with a client and have you ever said no to them? Like, have you ever been like, this is not a job for me. And that first moment that you did that, what was that like? Or how did, how did you make that decision? That's a really good question, Bailey, because I am one of the, that has always been hard for me and still to this day is hard for me, but not as hard as it used to be when the first time I ever did it, it was I felt terrible, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what is this person going to think of me? What is this person going to say about me? And I, it was hard, but once I did that, I realized like, it's okay. Cause you have mm -hmm. to, it doesn't mean that you're an awful person, but it was definitely, I had to reassure, reassure, reassure myself mm -hmm. that, Hey, it's okay to say no. And I'm the type of person I want to help everyone, but I've come to find out that I can't. Right. And that, and when you say no, it gives you bigger opportunities to help the people that will best respond to you and Correct. open more doors to those people. And yeah. I'm guessing you've seen that as well in like navigating this world of accepting clients and, yeah. and such. Yes. My first time losing a really big client or an account it was really hard for me. But then I'm like, Marlis, you're so stubborn. You realize that when God closes one door, he opens up another. So there was somebody better waiting on the other side. It's just, it's just really hard when you're going through that. And you, I don't think you realize it during like the moment it happens until afterwards, mm -hmm. which is, that's what I love about this because I always, not every day is the same. It may seem the same on the floor, but it's the other challenges on the other side of the business that I love dealing with. 
It's fun. That's what, yeah. Let's talk about that. Like your personal fulfillment from owning a business, I guess. What do you get from owning and being an entrepreneur? Um, obviously besides the paycheck, can you like talk about that? Honestly, it's, it's not even the money. If it was for the money, I wouldn't even be doing this anymore. Um, I, I get so, I get so much enjoyment out of like one, I love cleaning, right? It's so, um, it's therapeutic for me. And so I love looking back when we're done and I look at the house and I'm like, oh my goodness, this, when they walk in today after their long day of work, I just love, like, the, I know they feel so good when they walk into their home. I can just feel, I can feel what they would feel. And so I think that is one of the biggest ones that I love and I get enjoyment out of. And that's what I like to be in the residential side. Mm-hmm. I have a girl that does all my commercial and I'm never even there because I, I love being, I do love the residential because it's a lot more personal to me. And that's, mm-hmm. I love the relationships I get to build with these people. And some of them have, I have been with me since the day I started my business. And that's a huge compliment to me. One of my clients once told me, she said, Marla's the best recommendation. Uh, the best compliment I could ever give you is recommend you to all my friends, my, my coworkers. So it's, one of I have had clients tell me that I've saved their marriage and I'm like started crying like really I never looked at I never looked at it on that point of view like really like how could me or us my crew cleaning your home like save your marriage well absolutely it takes a lot of stress off off Mm -hmm. the off their plate right and it, it it just kind of highlights um exactly what you said is that there's small things like you know, owning a cleaning business are things that you think are such simple tasks and just, you know, commodities basically in everyday life, but how much it can impact how someone feels and interacts and plays a part of their day. So really you're, you're helping people have a better lifestyle and helping them focus on the things that they need to focus on. And I think that's what's so important about a lot of businesses that are out there today is the benefit you're giving the person in an intangible way. Yes, 100%. Like I like we free up time for them and they can spend that time with their family not cleaning. And so I think that is I think they I think that is very valuable to them like if we do the cleaning that's time that they can spend with their loved ones and I think that's a win-win for me for them. So what can you like name off like one of the biggest successes that you have or moments of like, this is it. This is why I do this for us. Explain kind of one of those moments. Basically what we were just, the topic we were just talking about is getting the the messages about how wonderful it feels to come home to a clean house and what a great, I think those text messages mean the world to me. Like just a mm-hmm. simple thank you. It just, it makes my day one simple text message, I get for, I get fulfillment out of that. And I always forward the messages to my girls just so they can feel that and experience that with me because they're, they're my team, they're my crew. So I couldn't do this without all of them. So I'm very yes. thankful for all of them. So. So talking about that a little bit too, um, where was I going to go with this? I was going to ask, 
I'll come back. I'll cut out this part. Okay. There was, I was like, there was a part where I'm like, I wanted to ask. Oh, yes. Okay. So what do you do in like moments of your biggest challenges as a business owner? How do you um, bolster yourself and get through that? Uh, let's talk about that. Um, Like my biggest challenges I've had to face um, has been dealing with really tough clients. Mm -hmm. You have to handle a certain way, I would say. And, but at the same time, still being respectful and being like the bigger person. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, that one has been definitely one of a really big challenges in my business that no matter what, it's always, I would say, be humble and be kind, but also stand up to yourself. Mm -hmm. like, and another big one I would say is employees. Right. That one has been a really a big challenge. Like anytime you're running um, a company that demands physical labor, it's going to be hard to find good employees. And you're going to have to realize you're going to have to go through employees to find the right ones. And right. once you find them, hold on to them, take care of them, show them they're worthy. And they want to stay with you for a long time or maybe forever. Like, that's what I want. That's what I'm looking for in employees. And I've had to go through employees to get to the ones I have now. And going through that, I didn't realize, like, why, why does it have to be that hard? And those challenges, they just hit you. Like, I was on a vacation and my girls went in for work that day and one of them messaged me she's not coming into work because the other girl called in sick and I'm on my vacation and I lost an employee in that moment and that was that was really tough because I knew I had a week I had work scheduled for the next week I didn't know how I was going to make it through the next week I just mm -hmm. lost an employee I never got my two weeks notice so that one was really hard but somehow hey God provided and here I am today everything works yeah. out Mm -hmm. you just have to go in with it with that things will work out you'll figure it out and whatever happens happens and I yeah I believe in that as well yes. and if it was easy to have a business everybody would do it right and it's, it's not, not. <laughs> but I think the reward is so worth it you know right and so, also I wanted to mention that fiance yes. uh, nominated me um for to come out to spirit yes. for women's entrepreneurship it was that was such a big experience such a game changer I'm really glad I did it it was amazing I would like Good. to come back someday yes Marlis come back um we would love to have you at any of our events and obviously we'll be back in Aberdeen in March for our big conference there I will and be there, so it's well-deserved. The nomination was well-deserved and we we're so happy um, to see such hardworking entrepreneurs and, you know, celebrate the successes of everything you guys have done. And with That's that being hilarious. said, would you start a business from scratch again? Would you start, <laughs> would you do this all over again? Good question. So um, honestly, um, if it had to be a cleaning business and I had to start from scratch in a different town, now, what I know now, having all the tools, mm -hmm. like maybe possibly, but I think if it was anything other than, let's say, um, I was ready to retire at the age of 50 and I wanted to start something different, a totally different 
line of physical labor, maybe something, a whole different route, 100%, I would say yes. Okay. Because it's me. Yeah. Yeah. And what would you tell people that wanted to start their own business right now? I would tell them to um, be very patient, mm -hmm. to never, never give up, no matter if, no matter through the hard times, like, be patient. Like, after every storm, there is a rainbow. And I, I that's my biggest one is never give up, no matter how mm -hmm. tough it gets. Like, be that person that, that doesn't walk away. Like so many people, when things get hard, they just walk away. Why would you want to be like everyone else? Be your own person, I say. So, yes, I think that you bring up a good point about being like persevering and never giving up. But at the same time, like at what point during like a problem or a sticky point or a challenge do you adjust, right? Because there's points where you have to make decisions to change. Because I think that's a big difference to make this. There's ways of giving up, but also, and not quitting, but also learning that you do have to pivot, essentially. Um, do you want to talk about how you navigate those moments of blind forward versus, all right, now we have to shift? Um, definitely. one of the It's one of the biggest challenges as a business owner. True, those really tough times you just got to push through, right? And it, it's... It's really hard. I, I would definitely say is you have to be, um, you have to have trust that everything will will work out in the end. And you just got to push through. It's true. And even like in your personal life, if there's something hard you're going through, it's not going to last forever. But if you just give up or walk away, um, you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. So you just gotta push through those hard moments in mm -hmm. not only just your business but also in your personal life absolutely because I'm sure yeah. I mean personal life being an entrepreneur there's probably not a lot of like this is this bucket this is this bucket it probably blends very much together it does and I also think it also helps me deal with my personal life the way I am because also me as a business owner having to deal with what I have to deal with so maybe it's makes you me a stronger woman to be able to handle all of it right. like my business has set me up to just deal with stuff better and manage it and mm -hmm. I've learned so much I'm I'm just I'm so glad I started and I never gave up yes me too and it was such a pleasure to meet you when you came out to Spearfish back in May I believe and yep. it's been a great journey is there any last moment or a piece of advice you want to give to our listeners before we sign off for today all I want to say is I hope that anything I shared with all of you guys today is I hope you can take that if you want to start a business or if you're a business owner I, I hope that everything that we talked about was helpful for you and I hope it was some insight on it that you can take towards your goals and your dreams and just Never give up, like go after it and don't live with regrets, I say. We want to hear your wisdom. Share your favorite inspirational, motivational, or thought-provoking quote with us in a voice memo and be featured on the podcast. Just say, hey, it's Ashley Winger with SDCEO West and insert your favorite quote. 
Send us your voice memo at sdceo at bhsu.edu and be part of an upcoming special episode. SDCO West is a nonprofit women's business center funded in part by a co-op agreement with the U.S. Small Business Administration and hosted at Black Hill State University in South Dakota. SDCO West is one of two women's business centers in South Dakota. Find our events and business resources in Western and Central South Dakota by visiting www.bhsu.edu backslash SDCEO.